You are the chosen one. If you do not have the balls to take on these nuts, then maybe the war is finally lost. I was more consumed with my needs than the needs of my children, and that made me a really selfish father. And for that, I'm sorry. Look, I don't give a f about none of that shit, all right? Oh, also, Cornell wanted me to give you this. He said he hopes you'll be proud of it. Ooh, he's thick. Yes, indeed. Adult Swim, The Jellies, which stars one of the voices uh, of The Jellies, who's on my podcast right now. He was also in a little movie called Benchwarmer. Good afternoon, uh, gentlemen. How you feeling? I just destroyed that porta potty, but I'm feeling better. Who did this? No. Yeah. Sorry. And that is Earl Skakel, star of stage and screen, comedy stage, of course, Roast Battle and uh, the movies, the TV shows. We'll talk about all of that. Earl, hey, thanks for doing this here on the Check Your Brain podcast with me, Tony Mazur, if you folks are just ch uh, checking it out here. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, to beat the trolls to the punch, sorry about my camera angle. It's just uh, I'm looking at upgrading my my background. Uh, so, but right now, this is the best optimized Wi-Fi angle. So it actually could be worse. I like it though. I like the the Earl. The the you're a big rat fan, of course, and uh, a lot of the '80s metal. And I, I I see you with the T-shirts over at the comedy store. Which, by the way, go follow Earl on Insta. Follow his Patreon, all that and everything. But follow him on his Instagram. It's hilarious because you have the old photos. You have hockey jerseys. You're at the hockey game. Then you're then you're shirtless. Then you're on stage. Then you're with uh, Roddy Roddy Piper or somebody. And, uh, very entertaining. I'm always a big fan of uh, the Earl Skakel Instagram. I, you know, I, I do my best. Uh, it's a young person's um, business comedy, so I'm a little, uh, I'm playing catch up. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm like the in-shape Bert Kreischer. Think of me as that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, go check out Earl, by the way, here over. This is his Patreon. Go sign up for Earl's <laughs> Patreon. And uh, the Bonzo Berry Daddy Man. Yeah, so <laughs> let, let's get let, let's get the numbers up. Get get my numbers up, too, while we're at it. But uh, no, uh, er, Earl puts out good content. And uh, I, I might have to be number 11 here for the book. For, uh, oh, you don't have to. Uh, you know, like, that's how bad I am. I'm telling you not to join. Uh I will say people ask me, okay, we've heard you call yourself daddy man. So we get that. <laughs> what is the Bonzo Berry level? Uh, what does that mean? Uh, Bonzo Berry was a character in my favorite episode of Miami Vice. Oh, okay. Where, where the other guy from Perfect Strangers, not Bronson Pinshaw, but uh, Mark... Ooh, I'm drawing a blank. Mark, Sum Mark Summers, maybe? Uh, he played the character of Bonzo Berry. So it's just a very obscure random reference. Mark Lynn Baker. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, and he is a fence in the episode. Uh, and it's one of the few episodes where Izzy and the Noog Man, and the Noog Man was played by maybe the greatest what if in comedy history, Charlie Barnett. Uh, so Charlie Barnett was 
He was one of those street performers back in the day. Yes, he uh, and he's really the reason I had Jeff Ross on my podcast because Jeff knew him. Uh, he would sell out. I think it's called Washington Square or Washington State Park. It's probably you know, Washington, Washington Square Park. It's it's right by um, it's right in the village. It's right by NYU and the Comedy Cellar and everything. Yeah, I mean to show you how uh, well regarded Charlie is. Chappelle is his mentor, uh, or I should say, he was Chappelle's mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just a, an iconic, legendary comic who uh, was battling a lot of demons. And uh, just he was uh, supposed to be on SNL. He went through all the audition process. And then I think the story goes, someone told him that the last audition, you have to read off the cue cards. And he couldn't read. Ooh, yeah. Um, so he just bailed on the audition. And Eddie Murphy got the part. So... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just always, I love, uh, I was just having this discussion. Uh, what They asked me what, what my greatest what if was in sports. And it was Ron Lyle, the boxer. Um, so I love having those what if uh, type of conversations. My, mine was Duke Kim. I thought he was going places. <laughs> I mean, he was. Uh, I remember watching that fight live on, I think it was CBS against Ray Mancini. Mm-hmm. Um, just, um, and I remember watching the Ron Lyle. I always try and uh, tell people about this fight because for some reason it's not talked about that much, but Ron Lyle and George Foreman, it's the greatest heavyweight fight ever. Um, just the prime George Foreman and Ron Lyle had just gotten out of prison for seven and a half years for murder. And uh, while he was in prison, he was stabbed. Uh, almost died, had like 36 blood transfusions, uh, survives, gets out of prison, and arguably gave George Foreman and Muhammad Ali their toughest fights. So it's like, what if he wasn't in prison for seven and a half years? Man, I, I, I miss the heavyweight fights. Uh, that was in the 80s. It, you basically, what you did when you had a Mike Tyson fight, for example, is you, you got all your buddies together, you pulled your resources, everything. It's like, okay, it's $99. Everybody throwing a 10. We'll drink beer. And we want to see how quick he ends this. <laughs> it's like it part of the the draw to going to see Tyson in his prime was it, it's clearly going to be a first round knockout, but how fast is it going to be? Is it how many punches you're putting, you're putting down prop bets to see how many punches it's going to take. And uh, yeah, well, I miss those days. I mean, there were, um, they were fun. They were fun. Now it's uh, is where are the heavyweights now in UFC? Is that what's going on now? I mean, I couldn't even name you one heavyweight boxer right now. Uh, uh, Wilder, well, I guess I like could Wilder and Fury. Ernie um, Shavers. Ernie Shavers, another one of my favorites. Because, and I know this isn't a box. Sorry, you know when you have me as a guest, <laughs> we get we get sidetracked. I I, uh, I love all. Ra- this is what this whole podcast is. This is the inappropriate Earl on the Check Your Brain podcast where we just talk about things. This is just what it is. We crack the mic and it's let's have a random guy who played with the green Bay Packers in 1987, that kind of stuff. I love that kind of podcast. We're like the only, well, along with Ray DeVito, like the three people in the podcast wars who like have so far remained unscathed. Pretty much. But, uh, if you, I was, it's funny. I was just talking about seventies boxing with someone, I think the start with Ron Lyle and you know, you, you may not ever see that era ever again. Like you had a prime Ali, 
a prime foreman, uh, a prime Frazier. And then the second tier guys were, would have been champions in any other era, a, a prime Ken Norton. Yep. I don't know if I would say a prime Ron Lyle, but like just because of his situation, but a, a Ron Lyle, uh, Ernie Shavers, uh, Jimmy Young, who was another uh, talented heavyweight. And then uh, Larry even Jerry Corey. Yeah. Well, Larry Holmes, I, I put in the next category, like the, that next era. In the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah, like, with like uh, Michael Spinks, Leon Spinks, all those guys. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for Larry Holmes, and I always felt bad for him, uh, he just didn't have any, he didn't have a rival. Like he was just that good. Um, and he's really only known for his fight with my all time favorite, someone I named a dog after the great Randall Tex Cobb. That's correct. Uh, like he's known for that fight. And it's really not because of what he did, which was batter a man from 15 rounds, but just because Tex Cobb wouldn't go down. Like it was just like, it was rocky. Uh, so I always felt bad for Larry Holmes. And he, well, and he was, he was just, in that, he was in that transition period too, because as you said, from the seventies and going into that new era, you were getting some of those young guns by the time you got to the eighties. And Larry Holmes was just like, he was the, he was the bond in between. I thought the two eras, because I saw that one documentary, I forgot what it was. The, that Ali fight where Ali has the mustache and he's clearly out of shape. He's not, I mean, it, it was a joke. And, and it, it, but the same thing happened 10 years later where it, they looked at Buster Douglas. They're like, oh, this is, this is a joke. I mean, Tyson's going to beat him. We're in, they're in the Tokyo Dome, put all my money on Tyson. And for those couple of people they are like, you know what? I got a couple of bucks. I'll throw it at Buster Douglas. He, you, I've seen stranger things happen. And sure enough, stranger things did happen there. Yeah. I mean, Buster Douglas, he's, uh, I have a signed boxing glove, uh, that an ex got me for a birthday present. It's one of my prized possessions. Uh, you know, he, he was another one. Uh, just, you know, I think he got that money and I think a $24 million deal. I think it was a three fight deal. And the first fight was with Holyfield and he clearly didn't train. Uh, he, he, he's another, what if, you know, I don't know if he liked boxing, you know, it's, they often say about the wrestler, I, I think I can do this without interrupting the show. One of the great wrestlers uh, of the 80s, Sid Vicious. People are like, what if? Why wasn't he bigger? And so he didn't like wrestling. He, he was in it for the money. Mm -hmm. And I think Buster Douglas just liked boxing. He liked it. Like He actually liked the training, but he didn't like, he didn't love it. So, because uh, talent-wise, he was very good. I mean, he's, he was much more than just the Tyson fight. But, of course, we either remember that or the Hollyfield defeat. You know, kind of like Razor Ruddick, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a great boxer, but he's remembered basically for his two Tyson losses, which I guess were his biggest fights. But he was a great boxer, but just, you know. I remember a baseball player. You, you probably remember him played for the Pirates back in the day. His name was Jeff King. Oh, third yeah. baseman. He was a guy get you 25 home runs, hit about 260, 270. Not a bad ball player, a nice mustache. And you know, you you look at those pirate teams where you had Van Slyke, Bonilla, and Bonds in the outfield, and Jose Leaned and Doug Drabeck was their ace. And then you you had Jay Bell at shortstop and Jeff King at third. 
And you go, how did those Pirates teams, how did they not advance? They were clearly talented. They could have beaten that Reds team. They could have beaten one of those uh, Braves teams. And that's when you start looking back at some of those guys that just weren't completely engaged. And Jeff King was one of them who said, yeah, I didn't really like playing baseball. It's like, yeah, I liked it growing up. I was talented at it. And they said, hey, you should pursue that as a career. He's like, all right, I guess I'll do this. So you wonder how, if he was a little bit more passionate and engaged, you never know what, that's another great what if. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate warrior, going back into wrestling, he, he even admitted, you know, I, I didn't really like wrestling. I was in it for the money. Uh, what, and so you go, what if he was, like, liked it a little more than he, I mean, who would like the world of pro wrestling, constant travel, beating your body up beyond belief, yeah. especially if you look like him, you know, you have to maintain that body. You know, it's one thing if you're like, say King Kong Bundy, where you, you probably didn't have to work out. He was just a big fat dude. But like when you're paid to look like the ultimate warrior, Rick Rude or Sid Vicious, mm-hmm. or even Hogan back in the day had a, a great body. Like I can understand why these guys and girls didn't like doing it. But, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, Dave Parker is another. He's my all-time favorite baseball player. Oh, we've talked about them. Yeah, I, I, I gotta. I said I gotta text, text you his number. I gotta get you, get, get you his number so you get him on the podcast. Dave Parker, the Cobra, who's on my I, podcast. I, unbelievable ball player. I, name me a better overall player. I mean, you could probably name higher batting average, like Bill Madlock or whatever in those days. But name me a better overall player from 1975 to probably 1982. Dave Parker. And I, oh, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, and I, it wasn't a 30 for 30, but MLB, I, I forget what their 30 for 30. It's, it's like a 30 for 30. Mm-hmm. Like it was called uh, the Cobra at twilight. Yeah. They, uh, which is basically their 30 for 30. Uh, I didn't realize he had bad knees in high school. Like, um, so the fact that he was so dominant and, and had bad knees, um, you know, I, but I think that cocaine stuff in the it was the cocaine trial, I think in 84 kind of tarnished him, but uh, he, there's no doubt he, he should be in the hall of fame. Like that's insane. Like and no, no offense against these guys, but Ted Simmons, like, yeah. uh, Scott Rowland, recent uh, no. inductee, uh, Harold Baines, who I know is a great DH, but like, Dave Parker was just like, he was a five tool player and the pressure that was on him to take over after Clemente, basically. Uh, I, I, it, and even his Reds career wasn't horrible. No, he, he was runner up in the MVP, I think in 80, how was it? 86, I believe. One of those yeah. years he was the, I think it was the year. Um, oh God. What Maybe it was Roger Clemens won the MVP that year. And he was like, number. it was like that year. I know it was American league, but it was, it was a weird time where it's like Dave Parker has this massive resurgence in his career playing for Cincinnati. And then he goes, is a very solid DH for Oakland at the end of his career wins a championship with them in 89. Um, yeah. I mean, you think about if it, I don't know if it was the, the weight, cause he also gained a lot of weight and he had the cocaine and the bad knees. And then you're playing on that turf. I mean, it didn't matter if you were in Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. That was just green. <laughs> that was green concrete out there. And he's playing on there in right field all the time. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, and he wasn't horrible with Milwaukee or the even his very brief career with the Angels. Uh, you know, it, you know, some guys when they're uh, at the end of the road are like, oh, boy, they should retire. Uh, but it was I will say before I forget, I once had to kick out Bill Madlock at the gym I worked at. <laughs> he was behind on his dues. <laughs> it's probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever had. To, like I had because I was a fan and like, he still looked like Bill Madlock. This was in like 90, maybe uh, at the sports connection in Santa Monica. And I'm like, Hey, Mr. Madlock, uh, uh, you can't work out until you're paid up. And he just left. He wasn't, he was actually pretty nice, but like, it's embarrassing. Yeah, he was. Well, and then, yeah, some of those guys like Parker, you mentioned with the Angels, uh, I I actually got a chance to talk to Dave Parker about this because there's that classic photo. Like, I I don't think there was a ton that was memorable except for one photo. And it was he met Muhammad Ali in the clubhouse. He's there in the clubhouse with Ali. There's a great picture of him. I think he's like sparring with him. And of course, now Dave Parker also has Parkinson's. He's been really afflicted by it. So but he was a hero to him. So it was a, it's an amazing story hearing about that. It's pretty rough. The documentary, even if you're not a Dave Parker fan to just see this mountain of a man, like who probably didn't work out a lot. He just, some guys are physically gifted. You know, I remember I used to work with this black dude at that gym. His name was Willie. He never worked out a day in his life. And he had a bodybuilder's body. He just, he never worked out like yeah. his bicep peak was like a baseball was in his arm. No, I was like, what do you do? What's your, you know, what do you do? 21s with the curls, you know? And like, no, nah, I don't work out, dude. Uh, so at Parker was like that. He just like, if you look at, especially his pirate days and even really his early, I, I think it was against the Mets where the reds and the Mets had a pretty big brawl. And I think you could tell Parker and strawberry were the, the two alpha males on the field. And it's like, mm-hmm. Strawberry didn't have the greatest body. He was just lanky, but you could tell no one was messing with Parker. And this was a pretty heated brawl. Uh, and just Parker would just walk from, there's probably like 10 clusters of people, you know, you know how those things look in the back of the 80s. And Parker would just go from circle to circle, calming things down. I think that uh, might have been so. the one where Tim Tuffle got hit in the back by, by like Rob Dibble or something. I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember. It was just, it's a very extended brawl and it is on YouTube. The whole game is on YouTube. Of course, I'm not helping anyone with no information, but I, and it's like a three hour, you, it's basically the whole game and about maybe two hours in the brawl starts. And it, it's just fascinating to see the difference in eras you know or today that would have been broken up really fast and like that's had a chance to go out in front of the top of this tenth thing couldn't do it i hit now and win it for the home team and now look at this Davis damn john milner that's a name for the past there's Parker. Look, it's like three guys to hold him back. Tell you one thing, you're barking up the wrong tree when you go after Ray Knight, but look at Eric Davis. He still wants a piece of the next third baseman. 
By the way, that's another what if is Eric Davis. Yeah, I mean, he was a SoCal guy, uh, kind of the next big thing, and he had a decent career. You know, the Reds had a few of those guys, like Cal Daniels was, was another one who was mm-hmm. supposed to be like the guy. Um, and uh, I mean, Barry Larkin, I mean, Barry Larkin had a pretty, pretty good career. Uh, Chris Sabo is another one. But yeah, Larkin had a tough, uh, you know, he, he, he talked about Parker basically replacing Clemente. Larkin had to replace Dave Concepcion, who uh, maybe not nationally was known, but Cincinnati known. Like, that, that's a pretty tough, uh, hey, this is who you got to replace, a local legend. There's a there's a stat I saw about Eric Davis. I think it was uh, from a 162 game stretch between like 87 and 88 or 86 and 87. Eric Davis had like 47 home runs and 100 stolen bases. It was incredible. And he his downfall happened in the World Series. He was trying to make a catch in game four of the 90 World Series, and he rolls over. I think it might have been like a Willie McGee or I don't know who uh, hit the ball and it was short and he landed and lacerated his kidney. And after that, it just was one problem after another. And then he had cancer. And so whenever, whenever I hear about comeback stories, Eric Davis, when he's playing with Baltimore had a colostomy bag while he's playing and he's in the, he's playing in the playoffs for Baltimore in 96. And he's dealing with colon cancer at that time. It was, it was incredible what he was able to do. Yeah. I mean, the body is, uh, in some ways, uh, uh, you know, I had no, I'm not putting myself on Eric Davis's level, for that, uh, but I had no ACL for like 12 years. I didn't know it. So, you know, what your body can do sometimes is pretty special. You know, Absolutely. Well, you know, you were mentioning about people who were kind of being afflicted and kind of transitioning from sports to more Hollywood figures. Did you see Valerie Perrine? You see what's going on with her now? I, I have, but I used to be her neighbor. So I, what is going on with her? So she's been uh, like, she's, it seems like she's been on death's door. I got to look that this up. I'll, I'll show it on here, but it, it, Valerie Perrine was, I mean, she was like kind of the, I think it was like the Kathleen Turner, like the thinking man's yeah. it girl back in the day. And um, you know, she was in steam bath. She was in, of course, the Superman movie. And there's a, a story about, I, I guess she's fighting for her life right now. 79 years old and uh so it's weird when you well you know like you see dave parker throwing out uh jim rice at third base or gunning down uh uh, uh brian downing at the plate in the 79 all-star game valerie perrine was all over the place and you know she was in a lot of sex scenes and everything back in the day and then uh there's photos of her now she's just basically on her deathbed right now yeah i lived uh well without i don't want to dox her because she still might live in the area maybe uh in the area right below cedar sinai so it's not quite beverly hills it's not quite hollywood um and she was my neighbor in the building next door and she still was beautiful for an older woman Uh, parkinson's yeah 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 i mean that stuff is uh you know it, it who knows what you know this if you lived in the 70s and the prime and the cocaine uh loving days and and i don't know if i'm certainly not a doctor uh you know dave parker probably did a lot of blow i'm assuming valerie perrine had a nice run at studio 54 and and places like that 
you know, maybe there's something to it, you know, cocaine. Yeah. And, you know, I, even Michael J. Fox recently said he was a little vague. He was like, yeah, I, I probably did some things that uh, quickened my uh, decline. He was kind of basically saying I might have partied a little bit too much. Uh, so, but she was beautiful and always was so, you know, I know you wanted to have me on for my like random celebrity stories. But, yeah, the old, the old Hollywood stories. <laughs> But she's like exactly, I think, the story you're looking for. Like, I would just walk my dog late at night uh, on the street called Burton, Burton Way. Burton Way basically turns into Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, so, and one night there's this beautiful older woman walking a black, like, a, I think it was a black lab, maybe. And uh, we just started talking and I didn't let her know I knew who she was. But in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Miss Tessbacher from Superman, Superman. <laughs> uh, and I never let her know. I'd see her for years. I, I never once said, oh, my God, I'm a big fan. I try not to do that. I, sometimes it's hard not to. But, um, yeah, I mean, she, she I would guess she probably still lives in that area because uh, it's you know it's it's she was a weird girl like she probably made enough money like she's a celebrity but i don't know if she ever had that one breakout role where she could buy a mansion uh so, so you know that area is i think filled with a lot of people like her successful actors you know successful. consistent work but not the blockbuster yeah like um i'm trying to think of another actress like a bo like derrick yeah like famous but not rich uh but you know not poor either um and you in that area you know i think back then this was i lived there from like 88 to 92 my rent was 1270 dollars for a two-bedroom now that's uh that same building where i lived i would guess the rent there is now 3500 to 4000 Wow. For the same set. So yeah, you definitely have to be working, uh, working something to live there. So mm -hmm. uh, that's why I like the Trader Joe's. If you go into that Trader Joe's, uh, which used to be a disco, which is always, <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie, uh, thank God it's Friday. Okay. The disco that that was based around is now Trader Joe's. You'll see celebrities like her there, like Lorenzo Lamas. Uh, I don't know, uh, just some random cast member from uh, The Fall Guy. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of funny. I, I heard uh, when I hear about like these old Hollywood stories that uh, speaking of grocery stores, I think it was either like a Ralph's or a Vons or something. And Dolores Hope would be there. And now Bob Hope, obviously, basically owned half of California. It was like him, Fred McMurray, Bing Crosby, like they owned all of California. And she would be going there and buying like a can of creamed corn with a coupon. <laughs> it's like you, you, own, you have more money than God. And here you are clipping coupons at a Ralph's just so you can try to get some quick, uh, you know, $5 worth of groceries. I mean, I find that the people with the most money are the cheapest. Uh, mm -hmm. I know a guy who was a billionaire with a B. I mean, this guy, very wealthy. He had illegal direct TV. Because <laughs> for him, it was about the, the funniness. Like, 
it was almost like a gimmick. Like, yeah, I can afford to buy a hundred direct TVs, but my friend gave me an illegal, this is at the time when direct TV, you had like the little credit card you had to stick in there. It was Mm -hmm. like the, I mean, now it's all done digitally uh, through wires, but back then it was basically paid and you got a, a credit card that you would stick into your machine. Uh, but the big scam was uh, somehow these credit cards were pretty easily cloned. Oh, yeah. So I bet. That's probably why DirecTV doesn't have them in use anymore. Well, with your, with your obviously your last name and growing up in California, did were you were you young? But uh, you saw like the amount of people who were coming out from New York because when you thought about Southern California, that was where the movies were. But TV was usually filmed in New York and stand up comedy. You had Johnny Carson was in New York, and then he makes the trek in the early seventies out to Burbank, and then everybody else starts going out there: the Jimmy Walkers, the Steve Landisberg, the. Uh, uh, and it just became one after another of everybody saying, all right, yeah, I guess I don't need New York anymore. I'm going out to California where they like, was there an area? I know that there was that uh, house that's uh, up on Hillcrest that's uh, behind the comedy store where a bunch of comics stayed at. But was there like an area where it was like, this is where all the comics are living, like this apartment building or certain part of town, like Los Feliz or something? I mean, I would say a lot of people moved to Bel Air. Uh, because Bel Air at one point was really just a hillside neighborhood. It wasn't, um, you know, because that's where I grew up. But we got to grow up there because my dad bought a built a home in the mid '60s when Bel Air was just a basically undiscovered, unchartered, just hillside, with mm-hmm. multiple hillsides. And then there was a famous Bel Air fire. And our home was literally one of the few to survive. Wow. Um, so my dad was literally like on a on the roof with a garden hose. This fucking house ain't going down. <laughs> um, and then it became what it is today. You know, I mean, I think my neighbors uh, growing up in the 70s, Elvis was a neighbor. Um, if you look up uh, Elvis Roca Place. R-O-C-C-A. There might be some pictures of him. Very few pictures. There's one picture of him. And I remember because I would see this limo. It was the biggest limo I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I think it was a Cadillac limo. And it was gigantic. Um, That might be it. I just remember as a kid going, wow, that car is bigger than most. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, it might have been his last place of residence, um, at least when he was in L.A. And uh, Harry Nielsen was my neighbor. Uh, One of the great memories of my youth is Harry Nielsen showing me around his. um, uh, It was basically the skeleton of what would become his home. and later, I think Kelsey Grammer bought bought it and kind of remodeled it. But uh, when Harry Nielsen had it, that was the first house I'd ever been in that had a basketball court in it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Harry, well, he, Harry like, Nielsen, of course, was with the Hollywood Vampires, where him and Alice Cooper and all of them, they would have that drinking club. And uh, <laughs> the, the, I think there was the your initiation to get into the Hollywood Vampires was you had to outdrink the rest of the Hollywood Vampires. <laughs> 
which was yeah, nearly possible. My dad was like an unofficial member. I mean, he obviously wasn't famous enough to probably be full time member, uh, but he he could hang. Like he he could drink with Alice Cooper and Harry Nielsen and Mickey Dolans, and I forget there was one other. Was it Ringo? I think so. so, you know, he was my neighbor, uh, you know, Will Chamberlain, you know, James Kahn, uh, Stallone, when he started making the big money in the early 80s. Uh, Kareem, of course, was uh, so it was, you know, Bel Air was was a hot spot. I would say if you weren't as famous as those people, um, you know, Santa Monica, you know, had some uh, that was semi-cheap not cheap but semi-affordable um because santa monica and i think there's still parts of it today are rent control so uh you know if you have some really older people who still live in santa monica literally paying 300 dollars a month in rent Mm -hmm. (laughs) and as soon as they die their apartment or condo whatever they're living in will be jacked up to 3500 the next day that's incredible. So, I mean, it's it's nice if you're them, uh, but you're also probably at this point 85 to 90 years old. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, Culver City uh, was another area where at working actors would live because the studios are all mostly there. Burbank as well. Um, the Valley's always been known as the uh, the cheaper place to live, but it's also 10 to 15 degrees hotter. So when it's like, like I live in West Hollywood. So if it's 85 in West Hollywood, it's 95 in Sherman Oaks. Well, that's that's where Brody would be. Brody is from the Valley, right? Yeah, Brody, I think, uh, well, you know, Reseda is where he's most associated with. Uh, But he was the, he was all over. uh, They have a really nice mural at a Starbucks he went to, which was more studio city-ish so uh yeah brody was uh definitely as he said 818 till i die that's right yeah i i went out to the valley who's in the valley i went to um because obviously i'm not a california guy and i did touristy stuff so i've been to california several times but i had to do some of the touristy stuff and i went out to um Oh, I forgot the name of the cemetery, but there's the two cemeteries that are across the street. One's the Jewish cemetery, one's the Christian one, I guess. Oh, probably Forest Lawn. Yeah, Forest Lawn. Or no, well, um, I'm forgetting what. I don't think it's Forest Lawn, but it's where uh, like uh, Groucho Marx is buried there. I know Lenny Bruce is buried there. And there was a rumor, I forgot who, t- might have been Jimmy Walker told me this, said that Freddie Prince used to bang uh Lenny Bruce's daughter and that they went to his gravesite one night and fucked on the <laughs> on the gravestone. That might be Hollywood Forever uh cemetery. That's where they do a really cool thing. It's it's kind of weird. Uh they have movie night at Hollywood uh Forever Cemetery and they'll they'll do like Boogie Nights, Scarface, you know, iconic movies. Eden uh, Memorial. That's where it is. Okay. Yeah. That's not uh, okay because Hollywood Forever is on. Uh, I think uh, Santa Monica, as you get towards, it's a little rougher part of town. It's mm-hmm. like past Highland. If you're from LA, it's past Highland, but 
they have this great gigantic wall and uh, in season they'll do like, I went there, I think two years ago to see blade and it's kind of neat. You're in a cemetery, you're watching a scary movie like blade. You're with probably a thousand people. Uh, so it's, it's fun, but uh, you know, it's, I mean, there's so many cemeteries in LA. There's so, uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think the one where Lemmy and Ronnie Dio are buried. I think they're at Forest Lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're buried across from each other, so they, they're looking at each other. Well, it, you know, it's it's funny because you mentioned all these people that you would see at the grocery store walking their dog, mowing their lawn. And you being raised in this, you're not really starstruck. You're like, oh, hey, there's James Caan. It's like, you know, but people from Cleveland, Ohio, like myself, would be like, holy shit, it's James Caan. Now, you said there are times that you've been starstruck in front of celebrities. Who who were a couple of those that you're like, wait, you live like right here? Like, I can't believe it. My name's Earl. Nice to meet you. Who are some uh, starstruck celebrities that were there? I mean, it is weird. Like, you know, I, I remember one time I was playing golf at my country club. The dad, my dad was a member at Bel Air Country Club. And uh, I'm just on the putting green by myself and, because I was always good at putting. So I was not, I'm shitty at every other part of golf, but if I can be in like a, a pro PGA type putter, <laughs> my score won't be that bad. Just be a pinch and, putter. Just like yeah. have everybody like you play best ball and I'll just play the short game. Oh, I, I totally could have been. Uh, so I, you know, I'm on the green and, and you know, you're just kind of lost in your own world because it's so pretty up at Bel Air Country Club and the putting green is literally overlooking uh, the city. So it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. And then I, I see these three guys get on the putting green and I look up and it's Ken Danico, defenseman for the New Jersey Devils, pretty iconic three-time cup winner, Mark Messier uh, and Wayne Gretzky. And then I got so scared, I started walking off. Uh, now, this was before I really started having interactions on a daily basis with celebrities. And just then, as I'm about to reach the exit door, I hear this booming voice, Skakel, get back here. <laughs> and it was the GM at the time of the Los Angeles Rams, uh, Don Klosterman, who's pretty legendary figure in the L.A. scene. Uh, and he introduced me, introduced them to me all. And he was pumping up me by talking about how famous my dad was. You know, this this guy's dad killed a whale and was on Life magazine, the cover in the 60s. And and they were impressed by that. So they started asking me questions. And I'm like, this is insane. I was probably, well, I want to say maybe 21, 22 tops and, and but this is prime Messier, prime Gretzky. So, uh, and Danico too. I don't want to leave them out. So that, that was probably one of the few times I've ever been like, oh my God, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here right now. Um, you know, I, I've run into Cameron Diaz walking my dog and she was like obsessed with my dog. And I was like, oh, that's just Cameron Diaz. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, in LA, you see a lot of character actors, so like just the other night I was in 7-Eleven on Sunset and I see this hulking black dude uh, and he's the character actor, Tony Todd. He's always mm. the bad guy. 
Yeah, I, I met him one time at the Hollywood Improv one night. He was doing a, t- a reading for a Kevin Smith pilot that I don't think got p- picked up. Yeah, he's just, you know, he's that guy, you know, you don't know his name, but you know the face. He was yep. in like uh, The Rock and just, uh, I think, Boardwalk Empire, just literally hundreds of movies and TV shows. I'm like, hey, man, you, you play a great bad guy. He just took me said, thanks, bro. And just walked off. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Ed O'Ross, who is, uh, I don't want to, I don't know if I'd say legendary, but iconic uh, character actor. Uh, he was in probably my favorite scene in Lethal Weapon. So he's buying cigarettes at 7-Eleven. This, uh, you can meet some really cool people at 7-Eleven in LA. And he kind of looks at me and he goes about his purchase. And I just looked at him and I'm like, do you smoke? And he's like kind of looking at me like, huh? I'm like, do you smoke? You're lighter. The bulk of the heroin will be here Friday. If you try anything, you'll have to speak to Mr. Joshua. And he finally puts it together. <laughs> he just ran off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the one thing is that when you get some of us Midwesterners who go out to L.A. or in New York and you run into a celebrity and it's just like, it's just diarrhea of the mouth of like naming your credits or quoting your movies. And I think a lot of, like, especially the character actors are like, look, I'm just happy for the work. I, I, I don't even know. I read it one day. I, and apparently I got paid for it and you guys love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ed o. Ross is like, he's been a working actor for 40 years. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm sure he's over it though. At, at this point, he just wants to do his, he's probably coming back from filming something. He just wanted to buy cigarettes and just be left alone. But, uh, you know, I have no shame when uh, it comes to, you know, like, you know, even when I was on I'm Dying up here, now, of course, you're on a TV show, so you expect to, like, interact with celebrities. Um, Robert uh, Forrester was, she played, I believe, he played Ari Grainer's dad in the show. Uh, and I think he was just in a few episodes, but at the rap party, you know, there's Jim Carrey over there. There's, you know, Brad Williams, you know, famous comic over there. And, this, and Robert Forrester's, behind me in line to get in and it was at canner's deli the rap party and i just looked at him and I'm like hey man you were a great bad guy in delta force <laughs> and you, could, you could tell like he loved it well because you know they like to be recognized too like uh and especially if it's one of their more like i, I would say most people remember robert forrester for like pulp fiction uh and some of his other roles probably he looks so different in delta force that probably not a lot of people realize that's him because mm-hmm. they did a really good job of making him look arab in that movie uh and palestinian uh but i would see i up until he passed i walk lois all up and down santa monica boulevard and there is a restaurant that robert force would eat breakfast at every day reading scripts so it's just stuff like that. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. You know? It was funny. You mentioned that I uh, I met Mary Steenburgen one time and uh, my buddy and I said, we loved you in ragtime. And she's like, how old are you? And you know, at the time we we're like, yeah, we're 28. And she's like, yeah. And most people your age either recognize me from Back to the Future 3 or from Step Brothers. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't really like Step Brothers, but I liked you in ragtime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they, I think they like it when you acknowledge your, I don't want to say their least successful movies, but like 
you know, I was talking with John Glover, who's my favorite actor. Uh, I guess you'd say he's a character actor. He's been a working actor for 50 years. And when we first started talking, I wanted to not talk to him. He's probably most known for, you know, 52 Pickup, which is how I uh, became aware of him. Uh, and he's done a lot of, I think he's won Tony Awards. So, he, like, he's a legit actor. Um, and I wanted to talk to him about a clip I saw him on uh, YouTube. It, I think it was the original table read for Karate Kid. And in the table read, he's playing the role of Sensei John Kreese. Oh, okay. So I don't know if he was set. And I could totally see him because uh, he is probably the best 80s villain. Uh, you know, if, if you look at his movies in the 80s, he's, he always played the heavy. And he just had this, uh, you know, he played it with a little bit of campiness. So it wasn't like, <laughs> it was just like, almost like a used car salesman as a bad yeah. guy. It, it uh, fit for that time, for the, that time period of movies. Yeah, if you look him up in the either uh, 52 pickup, uh, Mannequin with Andrew McCarthy. Oof. Uh, <laughs> no, not Mannequin, uh, Masquerade. I'm sorry, Masquerade. Masquerade. Yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, or a, a great underrated indie film called The Chocolate War which uh, he played, it was, a, it was a story about a, um, a boys' school, a Catholic boys' school, which I basically went to, so maybe that's why I like it a little more than, than someone who didn't go to a Catholic boys' school. And there's a chocolate sale, and he forces the kids to sell chocolates. And uh, so he, he's a great, great bad guy in that. Okay. Um, but, you know, he, he was like, how did you even see that in terms of the Karate Kid clip? And uh, he was a little vague on if he was originally supposed to be John Kreese. But, uh, you know, I guess it worked out for him and Martin Cove. Yeah, I guess. I guess. And then, well, and then, of course, not only just you growing up there, but also being at the comedy store. This is the this is the uh, set list or the the list from the first time I was at the comedy store. And unfortunately, I've never I, I'm like, did, have I ever seen Earl live? And every time I've been in the store, you're not there. It's an Earl free night, unfortunately. That was and let me see. September 27th. I was probably upstairs doing roast battle. So, okay. Um, I actually was there that night, but uh, I mean, if you look at that lineup, uh, everyone is working on that lineup uh, today. I mean, uh, Mark Ellis is uh, tons of commercials. Argus Hamilton uh, was a, is a legend. Uh, Argus. Yeah, definitely. Tom Papa, obviously Sebastian uh, doc Willis was with me on the, uh, the jellies. Um Jason Tebow works, uh, Jessica Michelle, like every single Rick Ingram's opening up right now for Chris Rock. Uh, so it, it's that's the crazy thing about the comedy store, even though that lineup is filled with mainly unknown people. Uh, they all work. So mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, uh, Eric Myers at twelve forty five, he is no longer with us. So he did the. Uh, Dwayne Haskins thing of getting hit on the freeway. Uh, oh, yes. So just not uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Was, yeah, uh, he was a great uh, hit. I think Eric got literally hit by a garbage truck on a Texas highway. Uh, 
but he was a great comic. So is that what happened to Orson Bean? He was crossing the street and he got hit by a car. That's how he died. I believe so. Uh, but what made Eric's like Eric's was literally on the freeway uh, or whatever they call them in Houston. I, th- I don't think they call them freeways. Uh, but um, and then I'm going to show you this business card. This is not going to mean anything to anyone if you're not in LA but this man let me see sorry sorry Jay Lux is probably the most famous person in LA because he is I'm trying to explain who Jay Lux is to most people he probably any lease sign you see in commercial real estate in Los Angeles Jay Lux has literally 98% of them Really? So uh, even Tyler, his signs are everywhere. His signs are basically what his business card looks like. Um, So like any abandoned building, you will see this in a poster sized form. And he's so famous that even Tyler, the creator was interviewed. It's like the only person I haven't met that I want to meet is Jay Lux. So (laughs) Well, he just is yeah. like an actor, but like a normal looking dude. And yet <laughs> it's all over the place. Holy man. Oh, I mean, I, I can't explain to you. Like I, I was in Malibu the other night and there was a, I drove by a mini mart. J Lux sign for sale. You go to Hermosa beach. I had a comedy show the uh, couple nights before that J Lux. Like, so one night I'm at the comedy store and I'm doing pretty well. And then I walk back and he's there. He's in the back seat with a beautiful woman. I'm like, he looks at me and goes, Hey, you're funny. And I'm like, Hey, you're Jay Lux. And it's like, <laughs> so that's, that's probably the number one celebrity in LA right now is this guy. Wow. That is, uh, that's pretty. Is he, uh, is he a bigger celebrity than Scotty Bowers was? <laughs> uh, he is. Like, that's, it, that's a deep dive for some people. Go check out Scotty <laughs> Bowers and, uh, where, where was that? Was it was a filling station or whatever? And it was like the filling station of the stars. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's so several places like that in L.A. where, you know, if my friends who just want a weird random celebrity encounter, they're like, where should we go? Where do they hang out? Celebrities don't really hang out. <laughs> they're not hanging out at the liquor store. Uh, <laughs> but uh, actually on the corner of my street larabee and sunset there's a very famous liquor store called turner's liquor and it's literally almost attached to the viper room you know if you go in there on a saturday night from say seven to probably 159 a.m there'll be some celebrity in there buying booze or dick pills or or uh yeah you know vape pens for weed uh and uh, there is a dispensary on Santa Monica Boulevard called the Artistry. And it's, it's not artistry, but artist space tree. Mm. Uh, I've seen a lot of celebrities in there on the DL buying weed and, and whatnot. So it, it's, I mean, it literally, you could go into any business around me, the pizza place. There's a celebrity there. Um you know, Lance Bass owns two basically gay bars, but I mean, they're not technically gay only bars, but you'll see celebrities going into there to drink or to dance or whatever. The dog park. I will. It's funny. I go to the dog park and my friend will try and put this over the rat sign. The tubes. <laughs> 
Let me uh, see if I can do that so you can see this better. <laughs> the legendary 70s band, The Tubes, Love V. Them. Wabel. The singer's there every day with his dogs. So, like, uh, and you see a lot of reality stars, you know, uh, just because I'm in the area. I always see a lot of people from Vanderpump Rules. You yeah, know, I was going to say, my wife's a huge Vanderpump fan. So if, when we go out there, do we, do we have to go to the restaurants or are they mingling elsewhere that we can find them? They're mingling elsewhere. Like, that's a weird, you know, show because Tom Tom's really only open very random days. Really, well, You only- have to look up when Tom Tom's open. I mean, I don't know if it's a money laundering thing or the city. Someone <laughs> told me uh, the city pays for the rent and stuff. So, it, she, you know, Lisa Vanderpump's really not on the hook for the money. It's like pump is open random times and then empty for four days straight. Uh, I do. Re- and sir, same thing. I do realize that or recognize uh, that. um when they're filming, they're open a lot more. So, okay. or uh, like tomorrow night, uh, Vanderpump Rules is on, you know, uh, the new season. And Tom Tom's usually open. Uh, Pump is usually open. All three are open on the night of when either the show's on or they're filming. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know next time we go out there then. Yes, and if they, and they, they randomly will have an episode where there's stand up comedy theme. Like I was actually in the episode where they went to the improv to see Kristen do stand up. Oh, really? Okay. They knew I would. Well, I you know here's the weird thing, and I'm not going to show because I don't want to get you striked. Or I'll just leave. I'll turn my phone backwards. Uh, so I, I thought, well, I'm going to be in front of a packed house, but I don't want to be on the show because you know. They, you know, reality TV exists to make fun of these people. Yes. And I thought, just in case I bomb, I'm not going to be shown bombing on TV. So I pulled out my phone and I had a joke about my dick pic. So I did that joke <laughs> and I put my my uh, phone into all three cameras like this, literally, because I knew where the cameras were and going like that. So they couldn't use my set. Uh I'm not as dumb as people think I am. So. <laughs> That's great, though. So I got the benefit of being in front of a packed audience, but not being made fun of on Vanderpump Rules. Well, I'm glad you could be passed at the Comedy Store and also work at the Improv, too. The, the days of the Bud Friedman-Mitzi Shore uh, rivalry from the 70s is long gone. It pretty much is. I mean, uh, you can see... Uh, Certain comics um, at the Laugh Factory and Comedy Store, and, and some like the bigger ones, like a Steve Byrne, he'll play all three in the same night. Uh, so it, I don't think there's too much. Uh, I mean, the Comedy Store is the clear cut number one of those three. Uh, you know, then I would say the Improv and then Laugh Factory, but um, and now the Ice House, which is in Pasadena, they're back up and running. So yeah, they they revamped that place. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers owner, the Bus family owns it now, so they did not spare any expense. A.K.A. And, uh, Jay Moore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's why he's getting booked there again. Uh, so uh, <laughs> and you have the Hermosa Magic Club, uh, which, uh, the, you know, it's smart to have clubs in these areas. Like, there's a lot of people in Pasadena or that surrounding area. They don't want to drive to Hollywood. You know, it's yep. a schlub. You got to 
take three or four freeways to get to this comedy store. So, uh, so you have Irvine, you have La Brea, you have some of those other yeah. places that are a little out of town. Yeah, Ontario Improv, I play uh, frequently, and that that's an hour drive for me. But uh, yeah, you have someone who lives in Upland slash Ontario. Like you got to literally take four freeways to get to the comedy store. Whereas, and they get the same acts for the most part. Um, so it, it's uh, there's no excuse to not get to a comedy club because there are uh several in almost every area of la yeah i uh it well and that's what's interesting about that i tell people who don't go to la is that you don't go to down like as opposed to where i'm at outside of cleveland that people go to downtown cleveland they go see a, a baseball game a basketball game they hang out they go to a, see a concert uh in L.A., after five o'clock, you're leaving downtown. No one's staying downtown. Everyone goes out towards Santa Monica. They go out to Pasadena. They go to the Valley. They go West Hollywood. There's not, yeah, not I, a ton going on downtown, right? Well, they are. Uh, you know, ever since they built Staples Center, which now Crypto.com, they are definitely um, trying to invite people. You know, it used to be a pretty rough part of town. I mean, that's where Skid Row is. And, Yep, I know. I'm sure Ohio has a pretty rough area, and New York and Chicago. Really, every major city has a probably a relatively area where you don't want to be in at night. But LA, I think, takes the cake. I mean, it is several tent cities, and it, it's frankly areas that you just don't want to be in after say eight, nine o'clock. MacArthur Park, just don't leave that cake out yeah. in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, crypto.com and, you know, it's a, you know, with the prices that they charge now for tickets for Lakers, Kings, Clippers, concerts, parking's 30 bucks. They realize they have to clean up that neighborhood. If you want people who can afford those prices to come in. Yeah. So it's, it's not quite as bad. Uh, they used to be, uh, they, they used to have a downtown comedy club that Garrett Morris from Saturday night live owned. Yeah, the from the school of heart of the heart of hearing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember he's bringing me up one night, and he's really building me up, like, "Oh, this guy's the best. He's my favorite comic." And then he looks at me behind the curtain, and he forgot my name. Of course, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, they are. I, I'm I, I would bet within the next five years there will be a comedy club somewhere near. Uh, I want to call it Staples Crypto.com. Uh, because there's a lovely area called LA Live, and I think it's the Clive Davis Theaters there. And yes, I think I think Russell Peters might have done a special there, uh, and they have like high higher end restaurants. So I would, you know, I was at the Kings Edmonton, uh, what was it, Game Four last week, and I just kept walking around LA Live, going, all these people in one spot, they're probably looking for something to do after the game, but they don't want to get in their car and. And, and branch out into areas that might be not the best a comedy club would be perfect down here so i wouldn't be surprised yeah i mean i last time i was there was actually the day the world shut down on march 11th of 2020 and i was going that went over on riverside and went to the bob's big boy over there because i love big boy i don't know why 
Um, and then head on down to when it was still Staples Center. And I went to go see Kings Senators. They were like two second to last place teams in a, a mostly empty arena. Then I went to go see Soul Asylum at a place called the Terragram Ballroom. And then I went to the comedy store. And I'm like, if the, if the world's going to end tomorrow uh, and everything that we know is going to be shut down, I'm going out on a high note comedy show concert. And I went to go see a hockey game. It was great. Yeah, I think the last thing I did. Uh, before the world just imploded was I saw Kiss. I, I think it was at the forum and I went by myself. So my girlfriend at the time was working on a TV show. And I remember Paul Stanley doing some COVID type jokes. Like Uh-oh. it was that close. Like I think literally a week later, the shutdown happened. Pro- and Kobe had just passed because he came out for rock and roll all night with a Kobe jersey on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was probably the, the stupidest thing I did was going to a Kiss concert a week. I mean, you got to figure that probably 20% of that crowd had COVID. Uh, They're probably so. all dead by now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I still am blown away that I never got it. So uh, did you ever get that? Yeah, I got it. I might have gotten it twice, but I definitely got it once. I I got it once thanks to our uh, our, our our good pals, uh, uh, Gino Bisconti and uh, all of them at uh, at the Funny Stop, and uh, we all got we we all got together. But uh, summer of twenty twenty one, then yeah, but I, they said between thirty and fifty people who attended those shows got sick. I'm scared to mention anyone's name on a podcast because then uh, the Skakel and Mazer, they were talking shit about whoever, and then then you got. You know, we are literally you, me, and Ray DeVito, and mm-hmm. even Ray has gotten a little bit of shit, I think, for his uh, interview he did. But like you and I are like literally the last two who haven't been ganged up on. I'm waiting for it. We're like in the balcony, just eating popcorn, and every so often they uh, they allude to the audience, and then uh, it's like we go back to eating more popcorn. <laughs> but the problem is they're going to run out of enemies. So mm-hmm. you and I, I think, are the natural uh next choices because they've they've all kind of it's like a royal rumble and you and i are like the last two survivors pretty much yes <laughs> well yeah well now nah, this is uh but i, I gotta say well, well we could actually end there here earl and uh wrap up the podcast but i i really appreciate this i'd love to have you back on again down the road and we'll talk some more sports and i know why uh, We'll probably still be doing the football podcast. I don't know when that'll be. I mean, would, would have been nice to do one this this week after the draft, but uh, I guess we'll do so as we head towards the season. But uh, once again, let me pull up your plugs here. Of course, uh, Earl's podcast and Earl's Patreon. Let's go subscribe to Earl uh, over on Patreon right here as I pull it up on the video. If you were watching on the video here on YouTube, uh, and we didn't do anything that I would be uh, docked here on, on YouTube. We didn't talk about anything bad. So, well, I will say, and I have to thank Zen's producer. She is my, uh, I guess, my technical consultant. She uploads a lot to my Patreon. Uh, so I do think you get good bang for your buck. But if you can't uh, afford it, that's no problem. I get it. It's an expensive, you know, uh, endeavor. Uh, you know, just, I don't know, follow me on Instagram or, or come to the comedy store. That's free. I do try and provide some free entertainment options. Uh, Cause I get it. You know, I mean, Ken Mosca pays 20 bucks a month. I, that's a lot of money. That's $240 a year. So uh, 
Penn's a great guy. I actually just talked to him before we did this podcast. He's he's, yeah, no, he's, he's doing better. He's doing better physically. Yes. Yeah, so if you even if you don't uh, sign up for any one of my things, uh, sign up to Ken Mosk. Uh, uh, what's his Twitter? Is it Ace Grid? Yeah, it's it's locked right now because of the uh, the stuff going on. <laughs> okay. See, yeah. I'm not. There's so much going on with the podcast wars. I don't know what was going. Like, I don't know what. I'm not playing dumb. I really don't know what you're referencing. Uh, I mean, today, me and my friend, Maddie Goldberg, who wrote a brilliant book called Brain Humor, because he had a brain tumor, uh, probably one of the funniest dudes I know, we literally were calling each other. I had three screens up at the same time. Uh, so, uh, and he does too. And we're like talking back and forth about, So it's too much for me to keep up with. It's, in terms it's of, a lot in terms of the feuds and who likes who and and uh, yeah that's uh it, it, i'm not saying i get no cut of the proceeds but it's it's really an amazing book because he had a brain tumor uh and if you remember the commercial he was in a commercial with Dwayne wade for nike so uh you know don't i'd rather just buy maddie's book than do my patreon and ironically they're the same price so. <laughs> so yeah, if you have ten dollars, uh subscribe to Earl's uh cheapest tier on his Patreon, and then you could buy Maddie's book and you still have nine cents left over. But honestly, buy Maddie's book first. Like it, it you know, I'm I think one of the things that saves me, and I know we gotta wrap it up, but like since we I do okay in the voiceover world and whatnot, like I don't need the money uh, in terms of uh you know, that's why I don't beg for it. Uh, I'm not saying anyone, that's not like a subtle dig at anyone else. Uh, am I embarrassed that I only have 10 followers? hundred percent. Like, <laughs> you know, you think, you know, I've got thousands of fans on Instagram. Twitter's about the same, ironically enough, 11,400 ish. Uh, and only 10 people are like, yeah, he's funny enough where I'll give him my money. Uh, you know, that's why I can't fight back when Kevin says, you know, Kevin Brennan has like 950 Patreon members. That's pretty impressive to me. No, uh, yeah. Chad's, Chad's got what, a couple hundred? Uh, and I have 10. <laughs> Mine's not too better, but hey, we, we're also working people. Like we have work, we have jobs we, we go to. So this is just like, a, it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love that we do. I mean, my Patreon and YouTube streams, you know, I, I thought I just had over 4,000 hours of listeners, uh, you know, just because I've been on YouTube so long. But I guess they changed the dynamics where they're only counting recent videos watched or something. Uh, this business is costing me money. I paid for that sign. $492. Uh, well, go, go, folks, go subscribe. So it, it makes it all worthwhile that Earl has his neon Earl sign behind him. <laughs> I'll plug the business who they didn't even they didn't give me a cut at all of the radical neon that's with a k radical neon radical neon so if you're a uh, if you're a podcaster if you're looking to spruce up your background I know I have the worst background in all of podcasting uh at least Ray DeVito has like baseball cards or whatever uh you know radical mine's neon either, mine's either a wall or it's my blinds that my cats have mangled up that's about it <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I have so many things you could make fun of. I can't really fire back, you know. Yeah, I've got 10 Patreon members. Fuck you. Uh, So hopefully you stay for the sign. But thank Uh, you, Tony. You're the best. You've always been cool. And uh, I know we're caught in the... uh, We're at the mid-court of the wars. So, uh, you know, hopefully we evade or avoid the... uh, the what the shrapnel yeah yeah we've yeah we're we're like safe away like on the other side of the river watching the wars go on so it's we still have our bayonets but you know we're uh we're just hanging out i'm just <laughs> waiting because i have a lot see you're a man of mystery to a degree like you know i'm pretty uh there's a lot to be made fun of with me if you go on my instagram the shirtless pictures you know my comedy videos on youtube that literally get a hundred views uh you know so i'm i'm scared when either kevin or chad lock in on me because I, I really i really will have no comeback yeah you don't <laughs> like my YouTube video with the 63 views so oh, here check out earl with his uh with the shirt off or him puking in <laughs> front of uh <laughs> john heater and bench warmers <laughs> Well, that's why I thought that was my first video I ever put up and it got like a hundred thousand views. So I kind of, I cracked the algorithm with my first video and I just thought, Oh, I'll just do some of that. and I'll just get a hundred thousand views for every video. And uh, I think the last live stream I did talking about hockey got 64 views. So I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. Just plugging away, but uh, Earl, I, I really appreciate this. Next time we're out in LA, we're gonna have to get together. Whether I see you in the in the belly room or the comedy store, we just go hang out and we'll uh, we'll talk some more uh, more wrestling and '80s bad guys. Come on the couch, we'll talk Sid Vicious. I mean, I feel like Ray now. Here's my uh, my giant robot doll. Uh, this is a very obscure Japanese TV show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll do a live stream from my from this area right here and we'll just we'll set the whole uh universe uh, the podcast universe we'll give them uh, an hour of new material to come after that'd be, us that'd be great and and if anybody else is listening that just stumbled upon this i have a patreon too it's patreon.com slash tony Mazer. three bucks a month is my audio only tier and then i have video and all that so but you don't have to but i appreciate you folks who do who did listen to this podcast and uh thank you earl skako thank you everybody for checking this out on the check your brain podcast my name is tony mazer and uh thanks i'll talk to you next week with more fresh free content for you bye now <laughs>